Good day and welcome to the final episode of the second season of Sail to Prayer Nigeria. My name is Sharon Tanko and I am your host. Last week we dealt with the question, why should I forgive? Where I said more or less that you forgive others because God forgave you. You know, God didn't condemn you for hurting him. Now, argue all you want, but know that when you sin, when you esteem hatred, anger, resentment, bitterness above God, you hurt him. But also note that you do not forgive others for their sakes, not even just because you want to stop hurting God, but you do it because of you. If you blatantly refuse to forgive, you cannot receive forgiveness. You forfeit your salvation. Now, personally, I think that that's ridiculously foolish because God is an individual God. He will forgive the person you refuse to forgive if he is open to him. He will bless him and prosper him and make him a city upon a hill that cannot be moved. But you, you condemn yourself to a pit, not because you are trapped, but because you would rather be in the pit than free. And I don't think that makes any sense if you think it through. You can go ahead and say that I haven't been put into circumstances that I'll find it impossible to forgive. And I'll tell you that that's crap. You don't know me like I don't know you. You know, feelings, emotions, they're entirely subjective. The things that mess you up may not be the things that mess me up. However, I can say the same about me. The things that mess me up may not be the things that can mess you up. It is entirely subjective. It means everyone at some point or other is going to have that forgiving issue. But the strength of your spirit and the knowledge of God and especially your faith in God will determine your victory. The strength to forgive, to truly forgive, is beyond the flesh ability. It requires God. It will require you at times and in extreme situations to burrow so deeply into God that you are lost in him and you couldn't find you if you tried all you will see all you will feel all you will be is god sometimes it may require that now some of you may not understand this now but for those of us that do well let's just thank god that he has made himself available for glory today we deal with a new question if god is so good then why are Christians so bad? Now, this will be my final question for this season. If God is so good, then why are Christians so bad? You know, but let me say this before I continue. I've had a few ups and a few downs. I have had some encouragement and, you know, even a seed sown into this ministry. I've also had a few questions tossed my way that made my next course of action easier to understand and that's something that I will share with you at the end of this podcast. But I just want to take this opportunity to appreciate you for taking the time out of your night to listen and let God inspire your actions. But before we get back to the question at hand, let us say a little prayer. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here once again gathered under the sound of your voice. Father, help us to hear you, to see you. Let us gain faith by hearing your words. Give us the grace to keep our ears open and our prejudices aside so that we do not miss you when you pass by. Thank you, Father. 
in Jesus name amen okay the question if God is so good why are Christians so bad you know it's like deja vu I've heard this question asked and personally been asked this question so many times that thinking about it just makes me feel a little bit woozy and the honest answer is that it's not supposed to be so I've talked on this in bits and pieces over the course of um, season one and two, but I think now I'm just going to be painfully specific. Who is a Christian? You know, what kind of people are you, or what kind of people are classed or classified as Christians? Your answer would be Christ-like people, right? Jesus Christ-like people. Okay, now, before I continue, Know that this message is not just for the believer, but the unbeliever as well. Whether you're confused or not confused, you know, you don't want to submit to such a hypocritical uh, religion. But I will tell you that Christianity is not a religion. It is a way of life. It is the way you live your life from the moment before you were formed until the moment you go back to meet God. From every, with every breath that you take, every step of the day. Christianity is everything that you do in this life. It is not something that goes according to hours of the day. No, it's an entire life. But I'm moving too far ahead, so let me drop back. What would the Bible describe Christ to be like? It would say someone of great compassion, right? He was kind, he was tender-hearted, he walked strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Well, tonight, I want to share the most obvious, the most common thing that cripples the church and counters the God agenda. If you would please open your Bibles to the book of John chapter 4, I will read from verse 4 to 12. It's quite a read, but John chapter 8 from verse 4 to 12. And I'm reading the um, amplified version uh, so that you'll get, so that you'll really understand it. And I hope that you get where I'm going with this. Uh, Verse 4. Teacher, they said, this woman has been caught in the very act of adultery. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such women offenders shall be stoned to death. But what do you say to do with her? What is your sentence? This they said to try to test him, hoping that they might find a charge of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger. However, when they persisted with their question, Jesus raised himself up and said, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone. Then he bent down, went on writing on the ground with his finger. 9. They listened to him, and then they began going out, conscience-stricken, one by one, from the oldest down to the last one of them, till Jesus was left alone, with the woman standing there before him in the center of the court. 10. When Jesus raised himself up, he said to her, Woman, where are your accusers? Has no man condemned you? 11. She answered, no one lord and jesus said i do not condemn you either go on your way from now on sin no more 12. once more jesus addressed the crowd he said 
I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not be walking in the dark, but will have the light, which is life. The most common K-leg of the church, so to speak, is judgment. It is quite unfortunate that Christians don't really understand that it is a trick, just a blatant trick. All of us were sinners before we got saved. So, why would you judge a person who is yet to be saved? Now, this prostitute was everybody's rank at some point in time before they got saved. So, you move from rank prostitute to God rank. So, why are you judging another person? Why do you want to determine who the gospel is for when God said that it is for the world? In Mark chapter 2, um, Jesus said that it was, on, it was only the sick that needed the physician. Those were the people that he came for. In fact, let us open our Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 4 and we will read from verse 18 to 19 to understand exactly who Jesus came for. And I read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, the anointed one, the Messiah, to preach the good news, the gospel, to the poor. He has sent me to announce release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to send forth as delivered those who are oppressed, who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity, to proclaim the acceptable and accepted year of the Lord, and the day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely do you see the people that he welcomes? The church is not built to tear down people. It's not to criticize them. It's not to cast them away. Jesus said he would never cast away any whom the Father has given to him. So if you were Christ-like, then answer this. Who do you cast away? Who? No one. You don't cast anyone away. Not a single soul. You know, the most relentless being to ever exist is God. Because he holds on no matter what. Even when you let go and you turn from him, he's still right there waiting for one word. If it's the only word you know, just say, Lord. In fact, just say, help. And he's there. In an instant. See the people through the life of Jesus that he attracted, that he was attracted to. It wasn't the self-righteous Pharisees or the Sadducees who wielded their spirituality and morality like weapons against the masses. No, no, God, no. Jesus called them a brood of vipers. So no, it was not them. It was people like Zacchaeus, the tax collector, Mary Magdalene, the woman at the well with five husbands and a bay on the side. It was people like the, the prostitute they wanted him to stone. Did you notice in verse 12 of John 8, where Jesus said that he is the light of the world, if we walk with him, we do not walk in the dark, but we will have light. And, and, and this is more than how Christians ought to behave to unbelievers. It is also how Christians ought to behave to other Christians as well. Every, everyone's race is different. Everyone's relationship with God is different because it is personal. 
God created different individuals for different purposes. You do not judge them because you do not know them. He is the same God to both you and me. But the relationship is different. Our interactions cannot be the same. What is bugging you may not be what is bugging me. And besides, if you as a Christian condemn a person for being, uh, for being weak in the flesh, you know, going around. Sure, that may be the person's vice. That may be his vice. But you just expose the vice, your own vice. And that vice is that you're an entirely judgmental person. And you need to work on that. Um, if you remember, the scripture says that you remove the beam from your eyes before attempting to remove the speck in another person's eyes. In fact, let us read it in the book of Matthew chapter 7. If you would open your Bibles, please. I will read from verse 1. Do not judge and criticize and condemn others so that you may not be judged and criticized and condemned yourselves. For just as you judge and criticize and condemn others, you will be judged and criticized and condemned. And in accordance with the measure you use to deal out to others, it will be dealt out to you again. 3. Why do you stare from without at the very small particle that is in your brother's eye, but do not become aware of and consider the beam of timber that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me get the tiny particle out of your eye when there is a beam of timber in your own eye. 5. You hypocrite. First get the beam of timber out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take out the tiny particle out of your brother's eye. This is what Jesus says. If you're Christ-like, then this is what you ought to do. Because he did it. Everybody knows that Jesus practiced what he preached. Let me use an analogy to explain the scripture because uh, no one is judging another person for God. You're not helping God do his job. So stop even thinking it because trying to defend a wrongdoing, knowing what he says about it, is more or less wasted effort. So let me explain using food. It's not an exact or precise explanation, but it should help to get the point across. At least this way you will understand. Now, the judgment that you unleash weighs more on you than it ever could on another person or even on the individual that you're judging. You know, the beam versus the speck, if I may say so. Fry planting. At least 99.99% of Nigerians love fry planting. I mean, I know of only one person that doesn't like it, hence the 99.99%. I know personally that it's hard to believe that there's a Nigerian who does not like fried plantain. And personally, I'm tempted to say that she doesn't have taste, but I know that some of the things that she loves, I would delightfully vomit upon smelling. So, we're even. Anyways, back to the topic. Fried plantain. If you've not fried plantain before, then you've at least tried to steal it while it was being fried. Now, there are two ways to take the dodo. Either you sample it before it's fried, that is, it has been caught, it's ready, it's just for you to put it on fire. And you can choose either you take it unsalted or salted. Personally, I prefer frying my plantain salted. Anyways, you either take it while it's uncooked or you attempt to sample it after you've removed it from the frying pan. Personally, 
I take the most from the most recent batch. I put another one on fire. I separate the ones that I want to eat while I'm frying. And then I hang out in the kitchen pretending like I'm watching over the food. Meanwhile, I'm just waiting for my shape to cool down and eat. Of course, I've been caught a few times when I tried to rush the process and it was too hot in my mouth. And then I had to bribe my brother so that they don't cast me. But that's beside the point. Let me clarify. An unbeliever is the uncooked dodo. Satan has no qualms swallowing you because it's not an issue. Now, the salted, like I told you before, this is my process. I cut it, I salt it, and then I fry it. Now, the salted uncooked dodo is the unbeliever that has heard the word, but the devil don't want him to act on it. So he devours him quickly before he can, you know, jump into that frying pan filled with the Holy Ghost and become hot hot for God. Because, you know, once it's in fire, it's untouchable. Can't try it. But, um, by the way, this is why this is not an exact science. Because in real life, if you put the on fire and you leave it, it will burn. But I'm using this to explain something. God wants us hot hot for him on fire. He doesn't want lukewarm. He doesn't want cold. He wants fire. Now, Satan does not like you hot for God. So, he brings his prong, uh, his spatula, his, uh, his red pitchfork. And then he tries to separate you from the congregation of believers that are hot hot for God. He wants you isolated. So, you begin to go so that he can devour you. This is why he blows on you. This is why he whispers thoughts to you. He gets you to stop looking at God and start looking at you. So you take a little bit of glory at a time for yourself. Next thing you know, it's an I thing. It's not a God thing. Then you start to judge others based on you, on your moral standing, on your uprightness, your spirituality, your principles, your self-righteousness, your whatever. The devil has successfully stabbed you through with his fork and he's going to devour you with zero conscience, by the way. Now, the weight of the judgment that you give is the weight of the judgment that you receive. Remember, when you give, it comes back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, roll, rolling over. If you are men, give it unto your bosom. So, you go from hot, hot for God to too cool to be rolling with these peasants and you drive yourself straight into the devil's mouth. So, as Christians, you are to spend less time judging and more time loving. The Christ-like man is a blessed man. When you gave your life to Christ, have heard me say this a lot. When you gave your life to Christ, you became partakers of the blessing. Now, what is the blessing? Genesis chapter 1 from verse, um, verse 28. And God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the earth, over every living thing that moves upon the face of the earth. The blessing functions in Christ-like people. When you live Christ-like, 
for not Christ-like. You're trading the blessing for the curse. And what is the curse? It's the exact opposite of the blessing. So basically just set yourself up on a plate for the devourer. And there is a shift. You would know this when you trade Christ-like for not Christ-like. There is a shift. You may not immediately feel it because you've dulled your spirit. But you will notice it eventually. By the by, this message isn't just for Christians. Ironically enough, it's also for the person who asked this question because you inadvertently judged the Christian as bad. I hope you noticed that. But I understand the question and personally, I don't even know how else you could have asked this question that would have gotten the message across to me. But if this is truly how you feel, then you still have something to work on. Because if you're a Christian, you're not supposed to judge. And if you think that because Christians judge, quote-unquote, Christians judge, uh, you don't want to be a Christian, then you're like the person who likes the pit, not because he's trapped, but because he would rather be there. Now, I would also like to add that just because they're in church, just because they go to church, does not necessarily mean that they are Christians. So, this is why specifically harping on the Christ-like man. If somehow you have found yourself in the category of um, the not Christ-like, then I would advise you to use this opportunity to rededicate yourself to him. You know, he does not fault you for your flaws. He helps you to rise above them. So, the question right now is, are you willing or would you rather judge just a little bit longer? If you want to do that, it's fine. But remember, you're more or less like the salted plantain because you've heard the word and you're taking your time to act on it. Satan doesn't want you to act on the word that you've heard. So don't waste too much time. Just say this with me. Father God, I apologize. Forgive me. I am surrendering all to you. Jesus name. That's it. You've surrendered your judgeability to him. I would plead with you to try to resist the temptation of yanking it back from him. So I will end this here tonight and I hope that you've heard from God. You know, he doesn't like it when you judge people. It makes it hard for him to bless you. When you do things that don't resemble Christ, it's like you're taking your light and you're hiding it under a bushel. It is uncomfortable for everyone. And even you. Because if you hide your light, then how do you see what God is doing for you? You'll miss it. And you'll miss him. You know, two nights ago, I was looking for something in my bag. It was it was late at night. I put off my light and I didn't want to put it back on because I was on sleep mode. I searched my purse for almost three minutes and I didn't find what I was looking for. Now, it's my purse. I know where every single thing is in my purse. At least I thought I did. And I thought that I could find it. But I couldn't. So, out of frustration, I put the light back on because I had irritated myself out of sleep to, you know, fully awake. So, as soon as the light came on, I looked at my purse and I saw the thing that I was looking for. I didn't even touch the purse and I saw what I was looking for. It wasn't even in the purse. It was 
right beside it. What am I saying? Don't leave your light off thinking that you know the terrain. You'll be shocked. Now, please, if you will please join me to say this final little prayer for this season. Father, thank you for every word I've heard from you. Father, I know that by virtue of salvation, I am like you. I thank you for that. Now, Baba, please help me to act like you, to speak like you, to show compassion the way you do, to love the way you do, to forgive the way you do, to show mercy the way you do, and most importantly, help me, Lord, to stop judging others, especially when I know that you love them as much as you love me. Lord, help me not to be a hindrance to your good work. In Jesus' name. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for praying with me. Thank you for the questions, uh, especially this season. Thank you for your encouragement and thank you for the support. For those of you who took the step to sow a seed into this ministry, I appreciate you. I'm truly grateful and I am praying for you. Now, next season we will be dealing on the theme Proverbs, the scary Christian. Uh, you know, a lot of questions that I've received have more or less to do with faith and uh, the attitude attributes of rather how to live Christian. How do you live a, a Christian life? Um, I, I gather that people find it, um, most people find it difficult to go from flesh mode to Holy Ghost mode. And I understand you spend so much time in the world that you, you um, that now that you're saved, you're finding it hard to operate in the spirit or you don't even really know how or what is expected of you now i was praying for direction from god concerning the next season and i thought that we will be heading to the new testament but god said proverbs in fact he insisted so proverbs it is you know it's not my will but his will that will be done not to say that I will not flip over to the New Testament for enlightenment, but the theme is Proverbs. So if you would take the time to brush up on that, I will see you next season. Stay blessed. Goodbye. My name is Sharon Tanko, and I hope you were blessed by this sermon and that it opened your heart to new knowledge from our Father. For those of you who haven't taken that vital step in accepting Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, but would like to do so now, please say this prayer with me. Dear Lord, I know that you went to the cross and died for me. I know that on the third day you rose. I know you did this because you love me. You showed me a deeper love. A love that goes beyond dying and into overcoming death. And now, knowing this, I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. Come into my life today, sweet Lord, so that I may be one with the Father. 
I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your forgiveness. And I thank you for this week, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you just said that prayer with me, thank you and welcome to the kingdom of God. My brother, my sister, God will have his way with you. Now, if you would like to reach out to me, feel free to do so at Say A Little Prayer Nigeria. That is Say A Little Prayer NG, both on Instagram and on Facebook. I would love to share and pray with you. If you want to learn more beyond the podcast, you can visit my pastor, Reverend Delison Tanto, both on Facebook and on YouTube. His, his preaching is easy to follow and it's easier still to grasp and have a deeper, more precise understanding of our Heavenly Father. If this podcast has inspired you and you feel the need to sow a seed into it, you can give an offering at 0140-323659. That is 0140-323659, Guaranteed Trust Bank. Or you can give at 151-1321-721. That is 151 151- one three two one seven two one at Access Bank. God bless you as you give. God bless you as you give. Now don't forget to say a little prayer for you and your loved ones. Thank you and stay blessed.